What we're going to talk about tonight is about the rapture. The word rapture is uh, it's a Greek word and it has to do with catching away. You know, like you just reach down and just pick something up. And um, it, the word itself is not used in the New Testament. Paul uses an, uh, some other words, but they, they. But what he's speaking about is what we call the rapture. You know, I mean, the word automobile is not used in the New Testament. That doesn't mean it's not. You know, we don't have cars. So uh, Paul talked about the, the the catching away, and we'll we'll get into that. But if you would turn to First Thessalonians, um, chapter four. And tonight is a, there's a lot of scripture in this. So uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, I think there's some around here somewhere. Aren't there some Bibles around here somewhere? Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk about the rapture. So if we go to First Thessalonians chapter four, and we're going to read a few verses. This is Paul speaking to the church at Thessalonica he says brothers we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep now what's he talking about when he says fall asleep talking about taking a nap no he's talking about people who died who died but it's just you know it's like we use terms like what passed away Uh, went to their reward Uh, what else do we use to talk about somebody that's died Huh? Went to be with the Lord. Went to be with the Lord. Yeah, the Lord called them home. Yeah, God just couldn't stand it another day. He had to take Grandpa home. So, uh, just so we know, that's what we're talking about. So, brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. There ought to be a difference between a heathen funeral and a Christian funeral. I remember the first funeral I ever went to that was like that was for a guy who was a deacon at, at a, a church in um, Brownwood, uh, First Baptist Church early, actually. And when we left the funeral, you were just so happy for him that he had gone on. You know, I mean, you were just, I, they left the building rejoicing. That he had gone on to his reward, you know. And so, uh, that's the way a funeral ought to be if you know the Lord. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I've just had to preach some funerals in my life I didn't like preaching. You know, I, I, I preached my dad's funeral. That, I think, was the hardest thing I've ever done, was to preach my dad's funeral. Uh, fortunately for me, he was quite a character, so there were plenty of stories to tell. <laughs> Uh, I pre- my father-in-law died here, what, Jerry, about four years ago? And I preached his funeral, and that was very, very difficult. And uh, our son, Josh, uh, sang a song for his grandpa at the funeral service, and just, uh, I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. But when you left, you left knowing that he was in a better place than you were, Amen. you know? I told my wife, I said, that old man went off and left me. (laughs) He went off and left me. Now I have to do the grandpa stuff. (laughs) I have an uncle that's 91 years old. 
And he told me the other day, he said, Do you know when I go to be with the Lord, you will be the oldest Kennedy male? <laughs> That's what I said. I said, Can you hang around for a while? <laughs> yeah. So, so verse, let's go to verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We believe that, don't we? That God sent him, that he's God's son, that he died, that he rose again. Lots of religious leaders have died. In fact, they've all died. But Jesus died too. But the difference was God resurrected him. He came back to life. He's alive today. You know, uh, uh, everybody else, if you could find their burial spot, there's bones in there. Well, there's no bones in the spot where they buried Jesus. Amen? According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So what he's saying there is that those that when Christ returns, that the dead in Christ, the dead saints will rise first and then those of us that are still still living. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. Remember me telling you last week God was a loud God? It's got to be pretty loud because the Bible says the whole earth is going to hear it. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven and with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's how you know it's about time for you to go meet Jesus in the air is when you see the dead in Christ going through the air like Superman. Well, that'd be cool. I mean, that will be great. After that, after the dead in Christ have been resurrected after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord where in the air in the air we refer to this as christians we refer to this as the second coming and it is true that he's coming but he's not coming to put place his foot on the earth At that day. Now he's going to do that at a later time. But the Bible says that we are going to meet him in the clouds. So I don't know what that experience is going to be like. But by golly I bet you I'm going to like it. Amen. (laughs) So let me just give you a couple of verses about the second coming. Uh, Here we go. I'm one page off from Revelation. There I am. Okay. Let me just read. I want to read you about half a dozen verses. Uh, it will be good. I'm sorry. This is Luke chapter 12, verse 37. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Uh, Paul said in, in another place that we are to expect the Lord every day. 
Paul genuinely believed that before he died, the Lord would come back. Uh, so he said, I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. Uh, we're going to have fellowship. Uh, John 14, 3 says, Jesus said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So Jesus said, look, I'm going to prepare the place, and when I come back, we're going to be together. We're going to be together. We're going to meet together, and we're going to have supper. It's going to take seven years to eat it. Um, Philippians 3.20, Paul said to the Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks in Texas are a little different than folks are in other places. You know, we understand that Texas is like a whole other country. It just, it just, uh, we're okay, and the rest of those folks are just a little messed up. We understand that. But even though we're here, our our citizenship is with the Lord. It's with the Lord. He has a place for us, and someday. We'll get to go to that place. Uh, he went on the next verse and said, Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like the glorious body. Our body is going to change. And you know what? That doesn't offend me a bit. <laughs> I was looking, somebody the other day found a uh, a picture of me in 34 years ago. I weighed 118 pounds and was 30 years old and weighed 118 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm older than that now and I weigh a bit more. <laughs> I'm twice as old and darn near way twice as much. <laughs> but so we're going to have a new body. We're going to have this thing we talked about about the when we were starting the book about a glorified body, and a glorified body is 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 so that you can be anywhere, anytime, right now, right now, and our body is it'll be made the way it's made. To reflect the light of the Lord. Because in heaven there are no light bulbs. There are no light bulbs in heaven. There are no gas lamps. There's a few candles here and there. You know, John talked about them in the Revelation. But the Bible tells us that heaven is lit by the glory of the sun. Just his being there just lights up the whole place. Uh Colossians chapter 3 verse 4 says this when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory so when he comes it's not going to take any time at all to get us to glory we will be there if you go if you die in your sleep tonight you breathe your last breath in your breath in your bed the next breath 
you are with the Lord. You are with the Lord. My wife's grandmother was almost 100 years old. And she said, I'm tired. I'm tired. Her body was failing her. You know, nothing worked. She couldn't hear. She couldn't see. Couldn't smell. Couldn't walk hardly. You know, just she was just there. She said, I'm ready to go be with the Lord. And she laid down and woke up with Jesus. And I said, man, what a way to go. What a way to go. And we rejoiced for her. First uh, John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse uh, verse 2. Yeah, First John 3, 2. John says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. In other words, as incredible as we can picture heaven, it's going to be so much more exponentially than what we can even begin to fathom. And you know, I, I've been to some pretty places on this world, and I'm sure you have too. But heaven is going to be more beautiful. Man, and I, I mean, I go to Yosemite and, and I see the great waterfall over here and, and the big rivers and the big trees and the high, high mountains. And you just say, this is as pretty as it is anywhere. But heaven is more than that. Heaven is more than that. Heaven's more than half dome. So it says we were received. Let me just start that verse again. And when the chief shepherd appears who's the chief shepherd christ you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away so when when we go we are going to receive this crown of glory now if you study revelation and end times and all that sort of stuff what you find out is that the crown that god gives to us when we get to heaven there comes a time that everybody takes their crown off. I've worked all my life for this crown. <laughs> and cast those crowns at the feet of Jesus. That, that any glory that is in us is not us. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Isn't that cool? Boy, this is good stuff. Um, okay, let me get back to my... Thessalonians here. Uh, let's look at, uh, let's see, First Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive, see, Paul really believed he would be alive when the Lord came back. We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord, how long? Forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. We just fulfilled a, a, a biblical mandate to encourage each other with these words, with these words about heaven. Uh, another thing is that th there is uh, th 
the Bible tells us that the saints will be exalted. Um, let me find that verse here. It's 20. I'm on the right page. Okay. Psalm 49.15 says, But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. So see, the rapture is not a New Testament theology. It's always been God's plan. God will redeem my life from the grave and he will surely take me to himself. In John uh, chapter 5, Verse 25 says this, I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and they who hear will live. Do you know that when Jesus was resurrected from the grave that the Bible tells us that hundreds and hundreds of people, of saints, were resurrected at the same time? Yeah. John goes on to say in uh, chapter 6, verse 40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on that day. I will raise Him up on that day. I mean, when you're feeling down and feeling discouraged, that verse ought to bring you back up. Is that if, if I belong to the Lord, when the day comes, he's going to raise me up. Amen. John goes on to say in chapter 11, verse 25, this is Jesus speaking. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the Jews around him said, let's kill him. What he had just said in that statement is, I am Messiah. I am God incarnate. So he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. I mean, that just that just sends goosebumps up and down my arms. You know, if, if, if we believe in him, even though we die, we live. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. So the enemy can't win. The worst the enemy can do to you is not kill you. Because if he kills us, that's the great reward. That's the great reward. Um, in Acts, it, it says, Acts 24, 15 says, uh, uh, Paul was talking here to some, some, um, some officials and some... Um, political officials and, and some religious officials. He said, And I have the same hope in God as these men that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So, uh, the wicked are going to, uh, they're going to be resurrected, but they're not going to like their faith. Amen. Thank God we don't have to deal with that. Second Corinthians 4.14, Paul said this to the Corinthians. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. 
How great is that? That there will come a time that you will walk into the throne room and he will say, this is my brother so-and-so. This is my sister so-and-so. Man, I'm about to get excited. I'm going to shout here in a minute. <laughs> and then he said, and we, we read this verse in with the others in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. said, but the Lord himself will come from heaven. He's not going to send the archangel to come bring us. Because that's not the archangel's job. We don't belong to the archangel. We're not even related to the archangel. We belong to the Lord. He, he is, uh, he is the, the firstborn among many. With the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So we see that, that, um, we're going to turn over to Matthew 24 and we're going to look at some of the signs, the the uh, uh, the group of all the signs. And the first is that uh, it is significant that many things happen all at the same time. And it is specific in detail. The scriptures tell us exactly what's going to happen. And it's subsequent one right after the other. Uh, If you go to Matthew 24, and let's look at uh, verse 36, and we'll go to about 44, I think. Matthew 24, 36. No one knows about that day or hour. He's talking about, the, you know, the disciples had earlier said, you know, when's all this going to happen? He said, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So at that time, today Jesus knows when the time will be. But at that time, He chose not to know. And even the angels didn't know. The only one who knew was God the Father. Was the only one that knew. So as it was in the the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Now he's talking about this is stuff that's going to happen right before the Lord comes back. We all know that we don't know the hour. We don't know the day. Amen? If you turn your TV on and you watch some guy that says he knows what day the Lord's coming back, I know one thing for sure. Number one, he's a false prophet. And number two, God's, Jesus is not coming back that day. For the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Sounds like today, doesn't it? This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So he said, okay, now that's what was going on with Noah. And here's what's going to happen next. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Going to be a lot of car wrecks that day. Lots of car wrecks that day. Going to be a lot of plane crashes that day. Um, two men will be in the field, one's taking the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, 
one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Well, what's he trying to say to us there? He's trying to say to us that we need to pay attention. That we need to watch the signs of what's coming and, and, and see how they how they line up with biblical prophecy because the best place to get the answer about what's going to happen is not somebody you can see on TV. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. So if you hear somebody and they say something that doesn't line up with Matthew 24, you know one thing, you want to change the channel right quick before that mess gets down inside you. Amen? So... He says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Sort of like some relatives. I have relatives that said, they, they, uh, three uncles, and they were going around the country and their goal was to visit every ballpark in America, every baseball, you know, major league baseball park in America. And what a great thing. I mean, I almost went with them when they left our house. I was that close to going with them. <laughs> But but um, they talked about they somewhere they went and the game got rained out, and so they were off and they were in it might as well have been a foreign country you know it was like I don't, I don't know Ohio I think it was Cleveland somewhere up that way, and they didn't know what to do, they didn't have anything to do. They didn't have any other plans because their only plan was to go watch the ball game. The ball game got rained out, so they called on the phone and said, maybe we should have stayed a couple more days in Texas and let the weather clear. But So we don't know the day, but we know one thing for sure, that we have specific knowledge that that day will come. That that day will come. But understand this. Uh, we're in verse four, 43. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house to be broken into. That's true, isn't it? If you call me on the phone and you say, Thursday night at 11 o'clock, I'm coming to break into your house. Thursday night at 11 o'clock, I will shoot you. Why? Why? Because I know you're coming. <laughs> you know, I know you're coming. So, you know, who tells the thief? It's like people post stuff. I had a friend the other day that posted on Facebook, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to be gone two weeks. Oh I called him on the phone. I said, you need to erase that. That is not smart. That's dangerous. Well, why is that dangerous? I said, now people who you don't know know that you're going to be gone from your house for two weeks. You might as well just leave the front door open. <laughs> so, but he says, if, if, if the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and he wouldn't have uh, let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect it. So we have to be ready. Amen? Amen? That's why it's a good, I think it's a good idea to pray yourself to sleep at night. It's because when the Lord comes, I'm already talking to him as I head up through the sky. So, Lord, you know, you're here. 
so the group of all the signs, they're significant, they're specific, and they're subsequent. <clears throat> so, and the, uh, the, the next, so not only are they, they, the signs grouped, but they're also guided by the scripture. If you turn to Second Peter, it's right over there on the right hand side, just before you get to John. Second Peter, and we're going to look at chapter 1 and verse 19, 19 to 21. Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. <clears throat> and we have the word of the prophet made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So what's he saying here? He said, hey, be attentive. Pay attention. Pay attention. Verse 20, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Well, what he's saying there is that if it is a true prophecy, it's God-spoken. Prophecy is not me telling you what I think you need in your life. Prophecy is when God says, okay, go tell so-and-so that I said this. We were in a... Uh, we were in another city in a different church last Sunday and the Lord gave me a word for the senior pastor and my friend who was preaching there because I don't know the senior pastor and I believe in doing things decently and in order and I asked him I said I, I, the Lord gave me a word what do you think it would be okay to you know, give it to him he said yeah I absolutely do and so later, later on that evening, they asked me to come up and give the prophetic word, you know, to the pastor and to the church. And the pastor said later, he said that was absolutely spot on. He said, it was, a, you're reading our mail. I said, man, I'm not reading your mail, but God reads other people's mail. <laughs> <laughs> so above all, you must understand no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. A good way to get in trouble is living by the interpretation of a prophet, uh, especially if you don't know them. I've seen people just ruin their lives because some guy gave them a, quote, prophetic word, you know. Uh, you go to the mission field for the next two years. Leave Thursday, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it was... Um, Charles Stanley said he had a lady come into his office and she said, I got a word from the Lord. He said, well, what is it? She said, I'm supposed to leave my husband and my children and go to China and be a missionary. He said, no, ma'am, God did not tell you that. She said, who are you to tell me what God said? He said, well, let me tell you who I am. First of all, that goes against God's law. And God would never tell you to do something that went against the law. God would not tell you to abandon your family and go to China. That's not how God works. So, so the scripture came about by the, by the interpretation, not of the prophet, but of God. 
and God speaks. God doesn't speak in circles. I, I, this is just, you know, forgive me for my uh, righteous anger here. I just get so sick and tired of reading on the internet and stuff people send me about prophet so-and-so or prophet so-and-so said this and it's here and it's in charisma. And when you read it, it's like reading in circles. It's, there's no specificity to it. You know, there's no real direction. It, it's just like, and thus saith the Lord, God wants to hug you. Folks, that ain't prophecy. Amen. Man, maybe I'll teach on prophecy sometime. <laughs> I'll ask pastor. <laughs> verse, verse, yeah, that's a good way to get in trouble. I think he probably trusts me that much. Verse 21, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. Hello. You know, I have a prophetic word for you. If you will just right now send us $1,247, I will give you your prophetic word. Now. That's 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 not God, Amen. Because Amen. Um, a guy who uses gold for concrete doesn't need your money. <laughs> <laughs> for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So prophecy foretell, foretells us enough to know that when we see the signs, God is stacking the deck. Uh, so, so it foretells enough. The prophecy foretells enough. It prepares us for that great event. So we know what to look for. Listen, if I hear some loud trumpet in the morning, I'm going to figure out which way east is and I'm going to look that way. Because that's what the Bible says. And it's, it's possible at any moment. That these things could happen. You say, well, you know, Revelation says this building's got to be built over here or this has got to be that way. How long do you think it'd take God to build a building? <laughs> Just like that, absolutely. Time's not something he has to worry about. Wouldn't need a crane, would he? Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no crane. <laughs> oh, me. So, so it's guided by scriptures. Third thing is there's the the Bible talks about the groaning of the Spirit. If you look at Revelation 22. <clears throat> and we talked, I think it was after class last week that we mentioned this. Revelation 22, and we're going to look at verse 7 and verse 12. And this is John talking about the the um, his glimpse into heaven and the and the the river of life and everything that that entails and that Jesus is coming verse seven this is this is Jesus speaking from his throne in heaven to John to the churches behold I am coming quickly now some how many of you have a Bible that says I'm coming soon. Anybody? One? Okay. Who has one that says, I'm coming quickly? Yeah. 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 That's a better interpretation of that word. That, that, the Greek word there is the Greek word takai. 
T-A-C-H-I would be our spelling of it. And it's where we get the word tachometer. So when I'm sitting in my 68 Mustang, revving it up, what's happening? I'm redlining that tack, that tachometer. The more power I put to it, the closer it gets to redline. And that's what the, that's where this word tachai came from. It's a Bible word. And it means quickly. It has to do with, um, with movement, not with the time. And a lot of people get hung up on that. And they say, well, the Bible says Jesus said I'm coming soon. It's been 2,000 years. He hadn't come yet. Uh, you know, maybe this whole thing is not true. How's that tachai spelled? T-A-C-H-I. Yeah, it's where we get the word tachometer. But he said, behold, I am coming quickly. What's he mean by that? It means that when he comes, it's, it's uh, other places in the, in the scriptures it talk, says, in the, in the twinkling of an eye, faster than you can blink, that he's coming that quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. So you want to be blessed, keep the words, the prophetic words of the scripture. Amen? Amen. And then let's go to, so, so uh, let's go down to verse 12. And he says it again. You know, when God says something one time, you want to pay attention. When he says it twice, you really need to pay attention. Yeah. So he says again, behold, I am coming quickly. That same word. Same word. My reward is with me. <laughs> Here we go. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Wow. So, what ought we to do? I mean, what are we supposed to be doing? Robbing banks? There you go. There you go. Spreading the gospel. Spreading the gospel. The Bible says that the lost are our inheritance. So if somebody called me today and they said, uh, Dale, I've got an inheritance for you. You just need to come get it. Well, I would get in my car and go get it. Amen? <laughs> Wouldn't take me long. Especially if I knew them and knew that they were, you know, well-to-do. But so he says, I'm coming uh, quickly. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Now, scholars debate what that means. We can read it a couple of ways. Uh, my reward is with me, and I will give it to everyone according to what he has done. Now, some people say that what that means is according to our works. But I'm not sure that's what that means. I'm kind of lean more the other way, which means that what he has done, the only thing I've done is I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I am a saint. You're a saint. We're all saints. Amen? So if you read it that way, I will give to everyone according to what he has done. And what have we done? We have accepted Christ. As our Savior. So either way is okay. You know, it, it, it's either way is okay. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He just repeated himself twice. <laughs> See, so when you repeat yourself and your wife fusses at you, just go, no, no, I'm being like God. 
I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates to the city. That's one gate I'm looking forward to going through. Amen. So, we're guided by Scripture. There's groaning in the Spirit. There is the gathering of the saints. Uh, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There we are. It's page 1278 if you have the right Bible. Nobody ever has the right Bible, I've noticed. 12, 12, well, yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to look at verses 51 to 58. And we're going to talk about the gathering of the saints. And that the gathering of the saints is going to be sudden, it's going to be surprising, and it's going to be shocking. Three good S's, that would preach. Sudden, surprising, and shocking. And we're at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to look at verses 15, I'm sorry, 51 to 58. Fifty-one. Here we Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. We were in a church one time, and we saw that printed on the wall in the nursery. Yeah, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. <laughs> so, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. I've had people come to me and say, you know, Pastor... Uh, you know, we, Grandma wants us to cremate her, but we're afraid that if we do, God can't put her back together. I Seriously, I've had people come and tell me that. We're concerned about God being able to put her back together because she wants us to dump her ashes in the ocean. And I always tell them the same thing. The Bible said God made Adam from the dust of the earth. If he could do it once, he can do it again. Amen? <laughs> so, uh, where was I? For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal, I'm sorry, the mortal with immortality. That these, this body that we have, that God is going to give us a new body, and that we don't have to worry about time anymore. That that it's going to be imperishable, and the immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Isn't it coincidental how everything the Bible says comes true? What a coincidence, huh? <laughs> I'm reading through verse 58, right? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore is an interesting word in the New Testament. I, I always tell people therefore means, hey, pay attention. I'm about to give you something really good. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How many of us have had relatives who have come to us and said, what are you doing down at that church? I mean, it just seems like you're there every time the doors open, you know. If they need somebody to vacuum, you run down and vacuum. You know, don't you have better things to do? No. No. I saw something that needed to be fixed uh, today, just a little while ago, and I thought, I'm going to tell pastor this needs to be fixed. And I thought, no, I'm just going to come fix it. <laughs> That's what I like about Jerry Furman. Jerry's a fixer, and he's sort of a, 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 a redneck engineer. He can engineer anything. <laughs> More than once, I've called him on the phone and said, Man, what do I do? <laughs> so, the, the, uh, the, the gathering of the saints is going to be sudden, it's going to be surprising, and it's going to be shocking. It's going to be shocking that the world wasn't expecting it. That the world wasn't expecting it. You know, I don't know what kind of lie they're going to use to explain when we all go away. But it must be one heck of a lie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There'll be a lot of people. I always said there'll be a lot of preachers go, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blame it on books. <laughs> okay. Uh, turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, the first four verses. We're going to look at the greeting of our Savior. We're going to see that there's a reception that's planned, that's prepared, and that there's a family reunion of all of God's people. And that God will be in that place. God will be in that place. You know, I like when I, we can get our whole family together. for, And, and we just, we entertain a lot. And, and and we cook a lot, and and you know we, we our family's still having babies, which is a good thing, and I encourage that as a grandpa. You know, <laughs> I told my middle son the other day. I said, um, I want to talk to you about something serious. He said, What? I said, It's about time you had another grandbaby. <laughs> well, Dad, do you think that's right? You're meddling in my affairs. I said, I certainly do. <laughs> I'm the patriarch. You know. <laughs> So who knows? We'll pray for them. John chapter 14, verse uh, 1 to 4. Don't let your heart be troubled. This is Jesus speaking. He's comforting his disciples. He's just told them that one of them is going to betray him and that they're going to come and get him and treat him very, very badly. But he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. King James says many mansions. So there's debate over what that means. 
Let me tell you, just from a personal standpoint, I don't care. I do not care. It could be a basket and be fine with me. Give me a cardboard box. I don't care. Just, man, let me be with Jesus. In the Father's house are many rooms or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm not kidding you. I didn't tell you this so that you'd feel good. This is the truth. This is the truth. And these disciples, some of them weren't real bright anyway, so it took two or three times sometimes for them to get it down in them. Uh, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, what? I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Where I am. I I can remember when I was a kid, and I'd see my granddaddy's 58... Uh, Mercury station wagon pull up in the driveway and if it was on a Friday I knew exactly what that meant I was going to grandma and granddaddy's for the weekend and if there's one thing my parents wanted was for us to all go to grandma and granddaddy's for the weekend you know anybody that has three children is always looking for somebody to watch those things (laughs) but we would I would see that that old mercury station wagon pull up my driveway and i was like man i get to go to granddaddy's house and and we need to look at heaven that way you know we say man i get to go i get to go yeah but what all about all that stuff you did back Shh, god forgot that <laughs> i'm trying my best to forget it so don't bring it up you know god forgot it he don't know you know the way to the place where I'm going. There's a song that the, uh, oh, what was her name? Um, a country duo, a mom and her daughter. Her daughter's got red hair. The mom was real, real pretty. The judge, yeah. They have a song called uh, The Ticket. And it says, I know where I'm going. Don't you want to go too? Yeah. I know where I'm going. Let the spirit move you. And that's just, that's a great, great song. Yeah, it really is. I know where I'm going. I love that song. So we'll be greeted. And then lastly, everybody say hallelujah. (laughs) Lastly, (laughs) we look at the glory that we, the redeemed, will share. One is that sin will be forever behind us. That we cannot sin. That we will be like God. We cannot sin. That sorrow will be taken away from us. I've I've said all along that the Bible talks about that God will wipe away our tears. And I think that may be at least two kinds of tears. Tears of joy. And then tears of great sadness that somebody we know and love is not there at the table. And then God is going to wipe that all away. And our glorified bodies will shine with the glory of Christ. Amen. Amen. That is uh, first, first John. Little John they call it. <laughs> yeah, First John. And we're going to look at chapter 3. There's Second Peter, so I'm getting close. There we are. 
Oh, there that I've been looking all day for this. And I just found it. First oh. John chapter three, and we're going to look at verses one to three. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. This word, if you read this in the original language, it's like with the love that has that we have found favor. We found favor on us. The favor of God is on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. <coughs> Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when it appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is. Everyone. We have we are fortunate enough that our oldest son married a young woman who uh, had two children. So when they got married, we became instant grandparents. We didn't have to wait nine months, man. I didn't have to wait nine seconds. And we've told them since the first day that, you know, we, they were part of the family. The only steps in our house are out the back porch. There's no stepchildren, no step-grandchildren. If you're family, you're family, you know. And, and, and it's amazing how the love of God transforms people. The, the, when, when they first got married, it was a, a boy and a girl, and they were like 10, 11, 11, 12, somewhere in there. They would not leave their mother's side. They would, not, they would come to our house, and they would sit on each side of their mother and just hold on to their mother. Yeah, I mean, they had had a very, very difficult life. Uh, her previous husband had committed suicide, and it had just it was so tough on the kids but but we just loved them, and I just treated them as if I had been their granddaddy from the day they were born, you know, and it's so great now to see see you know five or six years later to see those same kids, and they just come over and don't pay any attention and run around and jump and holler and do whatever they want to and go get their own cookies and all that sort of stuff and a smile on their face and all we did was decide to love them Amen. that they became what the Bible just said we are they became children in our house amen isn't that good stuff